It's the Jay and Farad Show. I am Jay Arrow, executive editor at CMC Lar. I'm Farhad Manju, technology columnist at the New York Times, and um, it's been a while since we. Did. It's always been a while. Well, it's been two it's weeks. It's always like, been a while. <laughs> it's um, maybe we should do it on like a every other week schedule. I feel like every week was too ambitious. Uh, no, it's not too ambitious. It's fine. We'll do it. It's look. This isn't. This is not work. <laughs> this is not. Uh, this is not super hard. Um, and it's fine. Anyway, what's going on? I don't know. I, well, we just had, um, um, you know, my favorite holiday, the best holiday. That's definitely. I was thinking about it uh, on that day that people talk. It is definitely not the best holiday. It's not even like it's really the- not open to discussion. Sorry, not not even close. Yeah, I understand conceptually the whole like oh it's non-denominational, it's casual, it's summer. Right, every so, day can be Fourth of July in summer. Every day can be Fourth of July, and nobody yeah. would know the difference. You know what? And it's better because like actually Wednesday was totally weird because like having a Wednesday holiday is weird. But any Saturday in July is great. Like yeah. it's pretty good. Any Saturday in July, you could be having a cookout. You could be having friends over. It will be warm and nice on the East Coast. You know, it's just not like fireworks. I guess. Are good, but you know what? I'm not, I'm okay with. You know, I grew up in um, I grew up in Orange County, where like you could oh, see the right. fire, you could see the fireworks from Disneyland, sort of every night in the summer. So even fireworks was not an unusual thing because it was like they had Disneyland has fireworks like every night. So there's no that what even was a, a distinction. But I think every time we've talked about this before i've said fourth of july right and yeah um, i think you've been wrong every time yeah i i think i'm coming around so what was the other one um, I, I voted for uh thanksgiving i think because thanksgiving was in theory if you like your family you kind of have like a day you get together with the family it's yeah. usually a half day like in terms of the communication with the, like being around the family there's no presents, so there's no pressure against buying presents it has a distinctive kind of food thing going on um, if you like, oh, and Josh you says get, you get Friday off too. Yeah, and you, usually. Uh, well, I guess Some if people. you work where Josh works, must be nice. Uh, <laughs> Josh, you get that Friday off. Josh works here. Uh, <laughs> but we've been giving him Friday off this whole time. Yeah, we have. I'm furious. I'm furious. That's the main day we record too. I want him to work Saturday. I want him to work uh, three Saturdays to make up for all those those three years worth of Fridays he's taken off. <laughs> Um, you get, you know, you get the day off, you get to, you know, it's, 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 it's distinctive. You got like a kind of a thing, but there's not a lot of pressure around it. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. And, and yeah. it's also like food is the main thing about it. So yeah. like, the, I guess food is, is kind of, a, there's, there's interesting, there's food on the 4th of July, but it's not like. But that food happens throughout the summer. You yeah. You don't it's have not... a Thanksgiving feast again. Right. <laughs> you know, like maybe some people do something sort of similar around Christmas time, but even that is not like. You get one day where you have a bunch of gravy and turkey and all that stuff, and uh, you're not really going to make a feast like that any other time of the year. So it has that kind of – it has a hallmark in that regard. Yeah. So. And well, uh, if we – I think – I think – wait, were you – have you been saying Thanksgiving this whole time and I've been saying sure. 4th of July? Okay. I, I guess so. one of our super fans will look in the archives and see. Yes. But um, if I said Fourth of Don't July was my once, guys. yeah, one of you can uh, <laughs> if I said Fourth of July was my favorite holiday before, I I take it back. I'm I'm on Thanksgiving. I think you're right. Great. Oh, but how was how was your fourth? It was lovely. You know, it was it was really uh, swampy and steamy out here. Uh, but that's fine. That's what happens on the fourth. We you know are, uh, we went with some friends uh, to a playground. 
my son's three. It was more for him than me. And ah. then, uh, and then I went to a pool, and then went to a, a barbecue, and that was that. So it was good. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah. I turned off. I, I use that um, internet blocking app, Freedom. Do you know that app? It's cool because uh, you can. You've mentioned that you have an app that would cut, like, essentially shut down your ability to use Twitter or your ability. Yeah, to use you, apps it's after. it's very it's cool because you can make it very specific. So you can just turn off like I turned off Twitter and Nuzzle, which is mm-hmm. you know this other like news aggregator app, all day on Wednesday. Um, and it was um, so it felt like kind of like being on vacation for a day um, because like it's it's hard otherwise to kind of get away from the news on a Wednesday because like news yeah. still happens um, and so it was great it felt like pretty much like a weekday and we didn't I didn't do anything we stayed at home and watched like um, we were our kids want to see The Incredibles 2 but they hadn't seen the first one so then we watched that that's the whole story I saw that I watched Coco the other night very good movie gotta say not i don't think our three-year-old's ready for it we, yeah <laughs> pixar the... movies are uh like cars he loves loves mm-hmm. loves cars three uh i don't know that he's able to handle a ray for any other pixar film but yeah i we took our he was we took our six and five-year-old to um coco last year and i don't know i don't think either one of them loved it um and I thought it was pretty good. It, it didn't seem like a kid's kind of Coke, um, Pixar movie. It was yeah. like Wally is like that a little bit too, I think. Yeah. I, I said our son would be ready maybe when he's 22 for it. It's, it's a lot of death, <laughs> a lot of heavy kind of stuff happening in there. I, I'm not sure that he's going to be. It's not anytime soon for him. Yeah. Um, uh, nothing happened in tech this week. Uh, well, a couple what? things I mean, we you, we want to talk about Elon, right? Elon Musk. I feel like we always. This is the Elon Musk podcast. That's who's more interesting in the. In, I don't even know. You know what else has happened since um, more recently has been like the evolution uh, of the definition of the tech industry. Like, is Tesla a tech company? Yeah. Like yeah, no, I, I mean, I think, so this is something we talk about at the New York Times all the time, because we have to figure out, like, which story is going to, like, which reporters are going to cover which story, and, like, figuring out, like, Tesla is one of those things that falls in a weird bucket at the Times, like the auto reporters and, like, the energy reporters, and um, I think we don't have even, I don't, I think we don't have a tech reporter on Tesla, so, like, by our definition, um it's not a tech company, but it's yeah. like one of those tricky ones. Like Uber is sort of like that. But it where... probably crossed over. I would imagine there was a point like five years ago where maybe a tech reporter would have been following Tesla for you, and now it's an auto yeah. story. I, it may I have think been. a lot of that happened yeah. when a lot of these companies went public. Like the the kind of thing that really triggered it in my mind was like Blue Apron. Like Blue Apron was you know venture backed and it was all this multi billion dollar valuation and and lumped in with technology companies and then all of a sudden it went public and everyone's like this is just a food. Uh, it's not a tech company yeah there's nothing tech about it they have a website i guess they advertise on podcasts so i guess you wanted to come but all of a sudden the public market's like who are you kidding this isn't a tech company and it just its valuation just cratered well, um, and i feel I, like I that think... kind of changed a lot of thinking around a lot of these companies that were venture backed but weren't technology companies but they had like traditional tech venture behind them so 
did that not happen to Amazon just because it went public at a time where everyone thought it was a tech company? Because like, yes. why? Yeah, I guess at that point it was too mysterious. To, for, people were like, oh, if you're selling books on the internet, um, yeah, it was books. internet. Doc, you know, it's Amazon.com, yeah. and yeah. now it is. I mean, look, it is a technology company because of web services, but. Yeah, but, but also, also because of, like, even if they'd never done web services, they also, like, they, technology is sort of at the core of how they see the world in a way that, like, wasn't true of, like, I don't know, was it true of Walmart? Like, people, like, technology is obviously important yeah. to Walmart, but, like, people never saw it as a tech company. But Amazon, because of the internet, and then, like, I think it's just more of, like, their philosophy. Like, like Kindle. Like, Kindle was, a, before AWS, Kindle was an example of, like, they're a tech company. Even they, they do things that are sort of, like, what other tech companies do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, so, so beyond is it a tech company, what else about Tesla? Well, Elon Musk. So, I, I just think, like, yes, we talk about Tesla a lot. I do think they're... Like they are one of, if not the most interesting things happening in business right now, and particularly if you want to say tech in the tech industry. Um, I mean, you mean just because of the Model Three stuff, or because, like because of production stuff, or or yeah. because of larger stuff? All of that. Like I think that they are do. You know, I think that they're a fascinating story in that the way their the narrative arc on the company has gone. I'd say in the past like six months. Where yeah. they came out, so you know, they so the they're having real trouble making their cars. Like they're mm-hmm. having a lot, a lot of problems trying to manufacture the Model Three, and they were they had this deadline like to get to five thousand Model Threes per week um, by the end of June, and Elon Musk was sleeping at the factory. Which, by the way, what is he doing there? <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Like, you know, like what is, Elon Musk? I'm sleeping at the factory. Like what is he just we, there yelling at people? Like well, what, we had a story. We had a story. We had a story in the Times uh, over the weekend that said, like, there was an anecdote where he he helped them in some way, like, change the production line, um, like the 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 things about like there was some place they were drilling and they and he helped them figure out like they could drill fewer times or something. It just seemed like it reminded me of there was a funny. Um, like before the iPad came out, do you remember this Onion headline where like Steve Jobs was like spending the night trying to like desperately trying to come up with something to present to the audience? It was like he was using like cafeteria trays and old iPhones to like um, like the joke was about how Steve Jobs is just sort of like doing everything by himself. Uh-huh. And this is sort of like what what the like myth around Elon has taken on. Like the like they're building a car like they're trying to mass produce a car, which is like a huge factory it right. involves thousands of people and people whose specific expertise it is to like figure out like factory stuff. It's hard to see what kind of like I don't know what Elon could bring to it other than other than I guess if the CEO is there then like if somebody says this needs to be fixed and like we can't fix this because like there's some bureaucratic thing then Elon could just be like, "Well, I'm telling you to do it. that." Yeah. Yeah. But it's like this weird, like, yeah, I just don't know, like, what, he's not there on the line. And if he was, that's a bad use of him, and that's not a good sign for them if they just need yeah. an extra But what hand. else does he have to do? I mean, like, he has to, his other role is to reassure investors. Like, his main goal at the company is to keep the money coming in, right? Like, he doesn't. Right. And so, he, so he's yeah. not doing a good job of reassuring investors. 
And that was what, that's what I want to get to is, yes. so it gets into this, so they're like, we have to make 5,000 cars, we have to make 5,000, and, and that's like not, for a real car manufacturer, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, and they were struggling to get there, and as soon as they did, it was like, everybody take some time off, like, we need to take a break. So you saw them, like, the stock drop, like, I think four, or like, maybe 7% and 4%, I think it's down about 16% for the week. Because the idea was like they were scrambling, like putting all they could to get to 5,000, and they just barely got there on the Model 3. That's not a good sign going forward. Like, if it was like right. they got to 5,000 and then they felt really good, and now they're going to cruise to 10. Right. 5,000 is not some like like reach number that was that's what they have to do every week from right. now till like the car their i don't know 18 month backlog or something is is yeah. clear like that's the whole point is to keep making 5000 not just do it for one week and then like take, right. take a break and i think yeah. that like this gets to what i was talking about at the beginning is this narrative shift like where when the model 3 came out you know he put out these ridiculous like we're going to do 500,000 or whatever it was per year and and he just said all these crazy numbers, and everyone sort of discounted it, being like, oh, that's just Elon being a little bit, you know, uh, over the top. But we know he's not going to get there, but he'll get, he'll start making some. And the fact that they're still struggling so much to manufacture is a very bad sign um, for Tesla. And I think that's why the stock's down, is because people figured, yeah, he's not going to be at the level that he said he was, but surely he'll be somewhere good. And he's not somewhere good. And and then yesterday, he's he, by my count, he sent twenty four tweets attacking the media. Like he attacked yeah. Reuters. In a, he started. In a... He's he's sort of attacked CNBC, but not really. And then he just sent, I think, by my count, around sixteen tweets attacking Lynette Lopez, a reporter at Business Insider, um, who is sort of tangled up in a little, like, kind of semi related to a lawsuit that they have against an employee. But mm-hmm. this notion that he's so busy and uh, everything's going on, and he spends he sends 24, 24 tweets in an uh, in twenty four hour period or less than a twenty four hour period, kind of like it's just like where is this guy's head at? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, his right. Like, what too, is he? I don't, how I'm is like, he thinking I'm not this is going to help? I'm super busy. Right. How is he thinking this is going to help? Like, I um, I was trying to follow his uh, tweets about Lynette, and they were crazy. I mean, he was like, other people were sending him, his sort of army of followers were sending him, you know, screenshots about, like, her, that she'd posted on social media, and he was, re- re- like, sharing them, questioning her integrity. And it was a very sort of, like, truly personal attack inviting like sort of winking at his supporters to like go after her um which i mean might play on twitter to his sort of crowd but doesn't seem like it's i don't know what a wall street investor would want to see from the ceo of a company it's it's low character and low integrity on his part like so the the story here uh just for those who weren't totally dialed in because it's mostly happening in his at reply so if you just follow him you might miss a lot of this but basically lynette had a story um that it seems like the source on that was this guy martin tripp who was an employee who tesla is now suing for leaking information uh to lynette basically i think and then she had a second story last she had a new story last 
Friday, I believe, that was a, a photo taken from inside like the factory, basically, showing that Tesla had stopped doing a brake and roll test, right? So they mm-hmm. just said, Tesla stopped doing a key braking test. And Tesla didn't deny that. Tesla said, that's right, we stopped doing this braking test, but we do other tests for brakes. So, you know, I, I would say like from, I could see this either way. On the one hand, it sure looks bad when this company is like trying to rush and cram to get these cars out that they've decided to cut out one of their braking tests. It just feeds into like that narrative that they don't know what they're doing and they're struggling right. to manufacture the car and they're cutting corners to get it done. Yeah. On the other hand, if they're doing brake tests and this brake and roll test is unnecessary, that also seems reasonable to me. That doesn't seem yeah. that crazy. And there's two things a car needs to be able to do. One of them is go, and the other one is stop. And stopping is much more important than going. So I would think that at minimum, it's like for the reputational damage and everything, and the lives that would be lost, that the braking system would have to work. Like they wouldn't really mess around with that, no matter. Like there's corners you're going to cut, I guess, if you're in a rush. This seems like one you wouldn't cut. Um, but so they admit to it, and that seems to like, but that set the set seems like that one about the brakes thing set him off and he also has through these emails that he sends to employees he's very paranoid about short sellers trying to like he you know he tries to frame this in a us versus them mentality and the world's out to get us and there's short sellers who want to see us all fail and we can't let them and one of the most prominent short sellers of tesla is a guy named jim chanos who's most famous for being the guy who took down enron um, that's his most famous, you know, trade, and he's been mm-hmm. loudly critical of Tesla, and he's been short Tesla. Jim Chanos has also done many interviews with Lynette. He's done interviews at CNBC, but he's done many interviews with Lynette, and Lynette has tweeted things like, "I love this guy about Jim Chanos," or "We see eye to eye on so much about her interviews that she's, you know, tweeted or put on Facebook with Jim Chanos." And so Elon is attacking from, so then Elon started tweeting at her and basically saying, did you offer money to an employee to leak secrets about Tesla? Say it on the record that you didn't, say it on the record you didn't. And then he started, so he has this like, he had two angles of attack against Lynette. One was claiming that she offered money to an employee to uh, give secrets to Tesla Allison Chantel, who's the business insider's U.S. editor-in-chief, tweeted, we never do that, we didn't do that, and we'd be happy to talk to you, Elon, if you would actually talk to us. And then the other angle of attack from uh, Musk is, she's really cozy with Jim Chanos, who's this short seller, and she's just doing this stuff, essentially, like, something like, I think he said, you're taking this information, you're getting feeding it to him, and he's shorting, and, and that's how she's crooked. So those are the right. two attacks. And, you know, Lynette, for the most part, has uh, managed to kind of stay above the fray and not respond. But she did note that, like, to your point, like some of Elon's followers were searching out her Facebook, taking screenshots, sending them to Elon, and then he was retweeting them. And uh, so he kept attacking her. And she mostly kept her head up and stayed kind of above the fray and didn't really respond. Um, But she did at some point point out, hey, if you're an investor in Tesla, the CEO is essentially trying to dox me and you got to be comfortable with that as an investor. So it's a, I mean, it is, and she's got a point. Like this is uh, like unprofessional behavior um, by Elon Musk. Right. And if he's so big, and then the crazy, sorry, one other thing on this. And then the craziest thing is if you look at his feed, 
he goes from attacking Lynette for 24 hours to suddenly transitioning into I'm going to go fix the cave in Thailand <laughs> and get the kids out of there. Which to me, I'm like, are you crazy? First of all, go make your cars. Second of all, I don't want you anywhere near that cave. That's just not a game. Like, it's not a game. Like, you got to, these are kids who are in a cave. Stay focused on what you do. You can't go save the world no matter what you say. So, do you, anyway. so, I mean, this is a very, it's a very interesting time for him because he, I don't want, kind of comparison here is obvious but i won't make it but like he has spent a lot of his say it he's like trump (laughs) okay right so he has spent a lot of his life um like a lot of sort of tesla's life like working toward this huge promise and like tesla as a company um you know it only works because at some point they're gonna make this car like the engine of its is is, the engine of its success is like all the money that all the investors um all the debt they've raised um, all of this sort of stuff, like all all that they need to keep this company operating is just Elon's vision. Like Elon has sold this to everybody. And now finally, like we're at this point where he either has to deliver on it or or not. And like there's just like no other way around this. And it seems like he's sort of, I don't know, cracking under pressure or not doesn't know what else he could do beyond keep promising this vision. Like the pattern for Elon is like they promise a thing they get to that deadline and they kind of make it on time and sometimes um but it takes a little longer and it's beyond budget and it never works out like exactly according to the vision and that's fine because eventually they sort of like so far they've kind of made good on the promise enough that people keep giving them money but at this point like i feel like there's no wiggle room in the promise like investors and everyone else like customers are demanding the thing now and for the price that they said, and it'll have the quality that they said. Um, and so, like, if any one of those things goes wrong, like, it's like the whole vision crumbles, I think. And so it's like a, I don't know, it's, it's an unusual time that he's facing. Like, yeah. I don't know if he's had I, this I before. Think, like, yeah, following on that, right? Like, the whole, the, the vision was, like, this cheap car, this affordable car. Well, first of all, it's actually not that cheap. It's not that affordable. Yeah. It's still a pretty expensive car. Second of all, um, the idea was they're gonna they're gonna build a brand. Like there's two things that they were gonna do. Like there's two key kind of components to the thesis on Tesla. One was they were going to be faster. They were just gonna be ahead of everyone else. They were just gonna move more quickly and mm-hmm. own this space before anyone else did. The slower they continue to move, the less likely that kind of part falls in place. Like I don't think like a, a I think a traditional car company in a few years could be caught up from a manufacturing perspective or from a whatever. The second part though is, well, Tesla is this powerful brand and they sell this cool car that goes fast and Elon Musk is this heroic, cool figure. But every one of these actions, like I think that, you know, the cult, if you will, the kind of the following for Tesla remains very fervent and remains very strong. And most people don't pay attention to the media and very, very few people pay attention to Twitter. Mm -hmm. But, the more that this stuff happens, the more that you know these stories, right or wrong, come out about hey, they're they're cutting corners on a brake test. Hey, they're scrambling to get these cars like finished. And and I don't know how you're going to feel if you're the guy or girl who's getting a car that they scramble to make. It's like, is this going to be the highest quality thing? And the more that Elon lashes out and acts like kind of unhinged and bullying, 
the more that the sort of sheen of the brand gets chipped away at. And so then it's not like there's a great halo around this organization. And so suddenly in five years, you have Volvo having an all-electric line, which I think it's got a very good brand. It's trusted for safety. Um, you have you know GM still going in that space. You have a lot more competitors. And if Elon continues down this path, I think he does real brand damage to the, to the company. And we haven't even talked about the insane executive turnover at the company. Every week, someone new is leaving. And that just has to start catching up eventually to the, to the company. You but, can't so, have that level of turnover. And the other, I mean, the other thing that I was thinking about that's sort of astonishing is they, I mean, this is, everyone knows this by now, but it's still crazy. They built a huge um, assembly line. Then... They built a second assembly line for the Model 3, and the one in the parking lot now is the third assembly line. Like, that's just... Like, they spent 2 to $3 billion on, on these three production facilities, Then now they're building it out in the parking lot. Like, that is a historic waste of money. Like, that is so much money that... Um, like, I can't believe that a company would do that. Like, that is that doesn't seem like what you would do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It was just very surprising to me. Yeah, and I think that gets to the, you know... And then and then on top of all of this is the, like, his inability... He has both an inability to stay kind of focused, it seems like, on the job at hand, but also an inability to hand off a lot of day-to-day responsibilities. Like, to delegate. Like, if mm-hmm. like you know, if he had that COO or he had whoever to, like, kind of delegate a lot of this responsibility out then it'd be great go to thailand try to cure it like try to save the kids in the cave do the boring company build the flamethrowers go do spacex do all that stuff but it seems like he can't let go he also wants to be the person with his hands in the middle of all of it and so i think that's also a big challenge for the for the company in general and so yeah. i think that the the you know now from a stock perspective, Jim Cramer was on our air. Jim's pretty smart about this stuff. Like he was, his view was the stock's not going to go down because you got to find people who want to sell it, and that because it's such a still has such a fervent grip that it's not really going to bottom hard because the people who are believers are just true blue believers and aren't going to get out of the stock and they won't sell. Um, so I don't know how much of that's true or not, but that's one way that's going to maintain the stock. And for this company, stock price is really important. Valuation is really important because it, it funds a lot of things with equity and debt and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of financial sort of maneuvering that's happening. But you know, I think this is a company that a year ago uh, seemed like it was going to really have a, a potential like to take off. And now it doesn't feel that way. And a lot of those things can change. But I think that the hubris of Elon Musk, um, you know, around manufacturing, saying we're going to revolutionize manufacturing, and he couldn't even do the basics on that. And we're going to get all these robots, we're going to do all this stuff. And in reality, like, step one should have just been regular manufacturing, which I think he admits now. It's like, we should have just done regular manufacturing, then tried to revolutionize manufacturing. And, And it was always, like, two steps ahead, which sometimes works, and I think Sometimes maybe he got a little high on his press clippings. Um, so I, I don't know where the company, like, you know, this could just be a little, like, bump. It could be a bottom, and then they're going to 
crack the manufacturing th- the thing. It just like there's no indication, there's no sign so, anywhere because there's a ton of reporting from the from the actual like the employees, the line workers. This is different too, I'd say, which is probably not a good sign for the company. That so it seems like so many people who work. You know, we have sources coming to us, and we've had a lot of reporting about fires at their paint factory, which is very unusual, according to a lot of people in the source industry, like in the automotive industry that we talk to. The amount of fires that happen at their paint shop are very strange. Um, you know, the fact that a lot of people are willing to talk is also never a good sign for a company because it shows that, like, either people feel burnt out or they feel like there's unsafe or there's danger there, and they do need to talk to kind of get some right. sort of like get their voice heard. But so, so I mean, the there there is like a sort of a obvious like optimistic scenario for for Tesla, which is like they're almost there, and so if they get, it's kind of like the other times they faced this crunch time where like the, you know the Model S was late, they like ran into that problem where like they almost ran out of money, and then they managed to figure out some way to get um, to get money and like save the company, and like right, you could imagine that they're within like. I don't know. Let's say they need a year and a half to like really ramp up Model Three production, such that like it's not at the crazy place it is now. That there's that's not that's not impossible. It's like not impossible. there's a lot the of one mo- the one difference I would say is like getting money is it's just getting money, right? Like you're just getting cash. This seems to be a skill set, like an actual ability to manufacture that for some reason like. They're manu- sure they're manufacturing more cars, but the indication isn't that they're getting. You don't get the sense, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to read more carefully or read more closely. From what I gather, I don't get the sense that they're getting better at doing this. Like you, yeah, you, you feel like they're still. But maybe with like maybe with more time, they'll figure it out. Is what I mean. Like yeah, but how much more time? Like how much more time is more time? I guess is the question. Yeah, I mean that. the we, the thing we don't know is how. Is whether it's sort of a matter of like um, figuring out how to make this car, and then they'll, you know, iron out like whatever problems they have, and then and then it'll be sort of smooth sailing there. Or if there's sort of fun some fundamental way in the in the process that's wrong, and it's like they have to re-engineer the whole thing because like making going from five thousand you know, going from like whatever number they're making of the Model S and X to 5,000 is some stepwise change in that they're like haven't figured out how to do that. Um, And we don't, like, I think we don't know. Like the fact that they have to scramble to make 5,000 could mean that they're like almost there. It could mean the whole system is like not working fundamentally and they have to change everything. Um, Yeah, and then you think like, you think about the, like it's this car and then they're they're already, like they've already rolled out like the, um, the semi, like the, Mm-hmm. whatever the semi truck and they're talking about like a pickup truck and they're talking about all this stuff like the ability to kind of deliver on the promise of, of the company is the ability to manufacture and it seems like they need somebody to come in and help but i don't know like maybe it's still maybe elon still can recruit people i would imagine with all the turnover and all the challenges that it's probably and you know these other companies, these companies that are more established, like Ford and GM and Volvo and everyone else, um, they're probably doing a better job of retaining talent right now than they used to be, or they yeah. maybe were a year or two ago. Um, so I don't know how they're going to, like, it, it seems like it's a, I, I think the thing that certainly I'm, I'm guessing I took for granted and maybe others took for granted was 
well, they'll figure out how to manufacture it. Like, it, 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 you almost, like, and maybe Elon took it for granted, too. I don't know. But it was sort of like the, the table stakes, if you will. You're like, yeah, they'll, you'll figure out how to manufacture. People have been manufacturing for, you know, 100 years. How hard can it be to figure out manufacturing? And it turns out it's really hard. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, it's something that huge companies have spent a long time figuring out how to do. And they... And Elon, I mean, why did Elon, the the whole company is sort of premised on the idea that they can manufacture differently because they're trying to manufacture it much higher. Um, they're trying to make a lot more money off of each car too. Like they're trying to sell a luxury car for low prices while still making a higher profit margin than, um, than normal com- car companies make. And so, you know, figuring out like revolutionizing manufacturing of the cars was like a key component that's why i mean that's also why they built their own battery factory and and sort of are they're they're trying to be they're trying to revolutionize the whole process because that like is part of their business model um what do you think happens to them if they so like one so what are sort of the possible like scenarios for them like they could just run out of money what like what else could happen like who does someone does a traditional car company like just buy their assets? Like, they do have a brand and they have, you know, cars that are in demand. What? It's hard to think. Um. Yeah. I mean, look. I, I guess I tend to uh, lean towards it will all be figured out, and Elon will come through, and they'll figure out a way to make this stuff happen. I mean, another thing that we didn't talk about too in terms of like shifting narratives like they've been trying to cut back costs like they cut a bunch of employees and they are trying to get to profitability um which you know i guess is a good thing uh, in the traditional business world it would be a good thing but in a weird way it's sort of a bad sign it kind of indicates that like the old way of doing things wasn't working and they needed to adjust mm-hmm. and maybe they were getting a sign that they wouldn't be able to go out and sell stock or whatever they want to do for whatever reason they they felt like they have to get profitable and, and live on their own. Um, so what is the end game or what? how does this wind up playing out? I mean, like, I still would guess that uh, Tesla will come out the other side okay. I think the, I guess, like, the, for me, the downside is, like, the absolute worst case scenario is they run out of money and they have to sell. Uh, and then in that case, I feel like Apple, which I've always said, Apple would buy them. Or somebody would buy them. They got a great brand. They have good car designs. They they have a, they have a lot of value there. They've just been somewhat um, maybe poorly run on the manufacturing side, and they also have this solar business, which doesn't seem like a great business. To yeah, them. Apple. I mean, so um, Apple would buy them, and then and then outsource all the manufacturing to Foxconn. Like Foxconn would become like a car manufacturer, yeah. and then yeah, yeah, you, something like yeah. that. It's not a bad idea. And it'd be. Yeah, and it would, you know, and you'd have Apple's already been working on a lot of self-driving software, so you combine whatever advances uh, Apple has made on that, combine it with whatever progress Tesla's made on that, and you might have a, a big leap. I mean, like, I think the, like, Waymo is number one in terms of self, like, that's, that's what I was told by an expert, is that Waymo is number one, and GM with Cruise is actually number two. So maybe if you combine Apple plus Tesla, you'd get to a strong three, or maybe even a two or one in there. Um, yeah, and you sell it. You so, sell it. You sell the car like with the iPhone, like just a subscription model, and then um, you just buy all your. You just sell it like a car. <laughs> you just keep selling it. I mean, like it's a you know. I would imagine that like Tim Cook and Jeff Williams were you know 
supposed to be or who are operational, like strong in terms of operations, supply chain logistics, we'll be able to find cost out. Like they'd probably be able to find a good way to get some cost out of the project and figure out a way to drive towards profitability. And it would be a good, and I've always thought it was a logical match for Apple to be in that space. And e, But Elon would be out. Like Elon wouldn't work at Apple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Elon, Elon would be like, uh, you know, executive chairman. Or he'd be like some. He'd be on the board. You know what I mean? Like he'd be <laughs> right. some sort of. He, he's. You know. It's a very. The graceful departure is. I. I've. You know. I love Tesla. I, I think I'm leaving it in great hands. The most valuable company in the world. Cash rich. Operational expertise. Uh, and thrilling. And I'm. You know. He does a ca- mix of cash and stock. He says I'm excited to now be the largest shareholder in Apple. Couldn't be happier to be a part of such a great organization and the lineage of Steve Jobs and. You know, the main thing in my life has always been getting to Mars. And with the new, you know, with the cash that I made, I'm going to plow it straight back into SpaceX and we're going to go to Mars. Uh, but I will still be. Uh, and there's the, the tunnels, the boring company. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's got enough to go uh, to handle. But, you know, I figure, I, I, but I don't think that's actually going to happen. Uh, I think that he'll be focused on, I think he'll figure out a way to kind of stabilize things. Uh, it's just that I, I just think the. The future that was once quite bright and logical, you know, like, the, okay, yeah, you make them all three, that thing starts spinning up, becomes huge, then you do the pickup truck, then you're going to do the semi, and then you're going to do all that stuff, and it's all going to fit together, it's going to be this really unique thing. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to get there. I think that there's going to be more competition in the next five to seven years, and those competitors will give them a lot more you know like i think i think the the theory on tesla which i've always said the theory on tesla from an investor perspective was similar to the theory on netflix which is they're going to run away you redefine the the whole market they're going to yeah and and everyone else is going to you know no you know you know our children would never drive anything other than a tesla right like that's all they would want it's electric it's affordable it drives itself it's cool it's a brand that stands for something Nobody wants to drive around in a bolt, no offense. Uh, and that was the th- and it's just like Netflix. All the other things essentially are going to go to zero, and Netflix may not make any money, but at least Netflix will still be standing at the end of yeah. the day. And same thing with Tesla. Tesla might not make any money, but it's going to be the only one that's really standing in terms of the market share at the end. Of that's the such day. a good. It's a good and story. It's a good comparison because like Reed Hastings is just so different uh from elon and the and the difference in how the two companies have operated is like netflix has has had this vision sort of had this vision at the start i mean like it's changed over time but um you know their main thing is not sort of having the idea as much as like just doing it every year and like executing in a crazy way you know in that kind of amazon way um there was well, that's a, we did a big story on uh, Netflix. Alex Sherman did a big takeout, sort of looking at Netflix, and it's more, it was more like analysisy, but it was a big story about that, and talked to a lot of people that used to, that worked there. And one of the things on Netflix, which is uh, like Reed Hastings, like studied Amazon very carefully mm-hmm. and was always aware that they could be like his biggest competitor. But he, the thing that Netflix decided to do was to sort of be the anti-Amazon in terms of we're just going to do this one thing. Like, whereas Amazon's the everything store, yeah. they, you know, they're doing so many different projects. Um, like Netflix said, we want to focus on doing like streaming the best content. And, you know, Elon has that problem, right? He's not very focused. So, so it's another way that they're similar, but quite different in that like their inability to focus really hurts them. And so Netflix 
especially nowadays in the tech industry where, you know, all these companies all want to do everything. Like even Apple, which is the one that's lauded the most for its focus, is now getting into content for reasons that I'm not totally clear yeah. on. Um, and also is tinkering around with cars. And it, it, it's even it's a little bit uh, uh, astray in some ways. Uh, Netflix has been the most singularly focused uh, company probably in the Valley. Yep. I. Well, I mean, yeah, the thing is they're not like – they didn't really have a – kind of a way that they could have gone into other things i mean no i mean look like facebook so facebook was and google were both like we're gonna send up hot air balloons or drones with internet so people can use our services if netflix yeah but the reason they did that is because they have a product facebook and google had a product that was instantly profitable and so they had money to spend on other things they didn't have to plow money into the product to keep building the thing amazon and um and netflix didn't and like so then they have to they had to keep spending you know money every year to expand like for netflix it's 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 the content and for amazon it was like the whole logistics platform um that's why they acted differently as companies like google and facebook just they just had no they had they just kind of fell into this um you know gold mine and had just instant money to do everything else but like sending like but trying to get people on facebook in countries that can't afford like internet services is not profitable so it wasn't <laughs> like we're going to put this in places that can't afford internet ser- like they weren't going to make money on those and so you could argue if you're netflix like you could argue like if we get people in you know developing countries to sign up for our content services mm-hmm. and their subscribers um the more numbers of subscribers we post even if our blended like average revenue per user comes down it's still good to have subscribers like it sounds crazy to say Netflix would do this, but it also it's just in a lot of ways it's just as crazy for Facebook and Google right. to do it, and they did it right. And even like Netflix, Netflix was close to like didn't. I mean, I could be wrong on this. I always I think of it, I think I'm close, but like wasn't Roku essentially initially like a Netflix company? Like Netflix built a set top box. I think that's right. For streaming. Yeah. And then they and then they killed it. At, like Reed Hastings killed it at the last second because he realized like I can't own. I need to be everywhere, and if I even present myself as potentially kind of like favoring towards one, then it's going to hurt me in terms of distribution. And so he was really smart about picking his spots and going for distribution. And You're right. Um, I mean, that was the thing that was very interesting about Netflix right from the start is they, they had no – they wanted to be like the web. They wanted to be a presence on every single device. So, so then, you know, um, they were early in the iOS store. They were on like um, – all kinds of video game consoles they were on roku boxes like you could get netflix anywhere yeah, they, they would put out press release about tv like they have the, like you still see some of these tvs with a remote that has a netflix dedicated netflix i have console. one of those tvs like, yeah yeah and if you go to i don't know if you ever went i'm sure you've gone to their headquarters if you did a tour like i did a tour of their headquarters years ago and you walk down this one part of the office and there's just every single television you could imagine like up on a shelf and all like they were testing i mean maybe it's for show but they were testing netflix to work on every platform every kind of screen to make sure it looked good and it actually worked on all those platforms yeah um spotify's like that too but um just sort of in a in a because the business the content is totally different like the economics of the content are different they can't be like that um so netflix really sort of saw this idea that they could just both i mean the other interesting thing about it was they saw very early that 
they could use their um you know they could use their enormous growth to like justify spending like unbelievable amounts of money on tv which is like so now they're spending this year they're spending 12 billion dollars over the next year that's I don't think is that right. I thought that that was a like a projection for maybe two years from now. Oh, okay. I, I heard that. Wrong. I I, I was, was reading somewhere that I think like Fox. I think that Fox like spends that much, including sports rights. And I thought that the like that I thought Netflix was going to be eight to nine this year, and then projected out to twelve. But I could be wrong. I th- I thought it was going to be projected out to twelve in the years ahead. Yeah, I had been not to. All right. So Josh is sending us a link. Okay, you're right. It is like, oh, yeah, it says this this year. Mm. Oh, a new report in the Economist. I don't know where the Economist is getting the number. Yeah. Anyway, because I thought I right thought they had said. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Okay. So they're spending a lot. <laughs> well, they would spend twelve a billion. Um, uh, I think that they'll spend. It might be that they spend twelve to thirteen billion. It might be something like, I, I, you know, we're just doing this on the fly. But it could be like it's eight to nine billion on the content. And then I, I read a story that they were spending two billion on marketing. I think that was in the information that they're going to spend two billion in marketing. So it depends on how you look at it. Like this story says, they will spend twelve to thirteen billion this year. Um, oh, on the whole thing, and that could be a, a, a mix of content and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, not just on the content, but anyway, it's a lot of money. There was <laughs> they're a, spending a lot of money. That's about yeah. Money. One more thing on Netflix. There was a great story in um, New York Magazine, I think, a couple weeks ago, uh, a few weeks ago, about how about like how the whole whole company works, basically about their content operation and how they had to sort of build like multiple kind of independent studios within Netflix because they're just. The mechanics of how they just you know are putting the eight billion dollars um, actually out there to like TV land, um, and it's fascinating. Like they're they're trying to operate in a way, you know, kind of like the net the um, Tesla comparison. Like they have to operate because they're trying to do something in a different business model. They have to figure out a new means of production for like all the stuff, um, and they are effectively doing it. Like they thought up a new way to build TV yeah. and are are doing it. But sort of like, but they're very traditional. I think was like, wasn't that the just like they have a studio, they're building out stuff. Like they're yeah, very. But like they like figured out how to do the Hollywood. traditional thing in a way that scales, which I think is interesting. Like scales to their their um, huge amount of spending. Yeah, I think Netflix. You know, Netflix is the most taken for granted probably company in all of the world at this point. Like the fact that they've had so much success um, is. Probably what do you mean taken for granted? Just, like they're they're they're. They've been rewarded, like their their stock price has gone up. Yeah, but I think that people don't talk about. I think people like maybe I'm projecting, and maybe this is just a realization to me right now. But I think a lot of people would probably just think if you were to say, "How did Netflix have success?" Like the story would be, "Oh, they they took a shot on House of Cards, you know, and that maybe was risky, but it worked out." And then they bought Orange New Black. And then they just kept buying TV shows. Like, that's the way it's framed, right? It's framed as, oh, they just spent $8 billion on content, and that's it. As if, like, that's all it takes. It's just spend a bunch of money on content, and you'll be successful. And, and to what you were talking about, is like they had to learn how to build out systems and scale. And and it's not like you can very easily spend $8 billion in a bad right, way right. and have bad results. 
and I think that you know that's why I'm curious to see what happens with Apple because Apple suddenly in this space and and I think Apple's view is we'll just go buy really good content and that's all there is to it and that's, certainly that's the the main part of it but there's a lot more probably to it than a lot of people realize and even like all that distribution that Netflix worked on and and the way that they pursued it was uh, pretty amazing. Um, one one of the so, criticisms of Netflix now from like. Um you know people in the tv world is that there's so much on netflix that you're stuck like if you mm-hmm. sign with them you will get kind of lost and um do you think that that's a do you think that do you think that's a real i, I mean it's What's a negotiating is that a real criticism or is that sort of like planted by netflix no right? i think it's both but i was going to say that um i do feel it as a user like i do feel uh kind of lost on netflix sometimes it's hard to figure out like there's just so much new stuff all the time and it's hard to figure out if the new stuff uh like which of the new stuff to follow you kind of have to make a commitment or um like do you watch the show i it sometimes feels netflix sometimes feels to me like your like email inbox or something like it's like a little bit of a chore no i mean like i think that's true it's overwhelming how much stuff is on there it's also and this cuts both ways. It's also like low risk. You're like, oh, I'll yeah. try this. And if it's not any good, you're like, yeah, oh well. I, you know, it was part of the package. I, I burned an hour on it. Like we watched a show, like there was a show called Extraordinary Homes or something like that. And we figured, yeah, this will be a cool house porn show. And it'll be like, you know, house hunters or it'll just show cool houses. And it was an hour long and it frankly wasn't that good. Like the houses were okay-ish, but it wasn't like the best filming and whatever but it was like an hour it was like well it was here it was free i gave it a i've shot. been watching a lot of um i've been watching it. a lot of british um home shows and like home and gardening shows um it, like i watched one and then netflix started to suggest a whole bunch of others and uh there's something totally interesting about them because they're like out of time like they don't re- refer to the news at all and they all seem kind of old-timey um and everyone's problems are kind of small and the weird thing like some of them are reality shows like there's the, the more famous one is this the british baking show um and yeah. uh the thing i love about that show and like other shows in the genre is like the reality show contestants are like super nice to each other and like when one of them is having trouble they help each other it's just completely different from a how american reality shows are and how people relate to each other here it's very it's very it feels like uh you know another time like before our current time uh going back we're running long (laughs) but uh, going back to one thing you were saying about spotify uh jessica lesson at the information wrote an interesting column about like somebody should buy spotify i think she suggested comcast um which you know i work Mm -hmm. here so whatever um but i kind of think it's an interesting idea it's sort of it's one of those things where now it's so obvious where to me. I didn't, she's totally I didn't right. read like, it. So what? Like, what's the argument? The argument is if you buy Spotify, you buy a service. Like one of the things that I think a lot of companies struggle. Like if you look at subscription services, the the thing that Netflix really has going for it is a hundred million subscribers, which is an enormous mm-hmm. number. So if you bought Spotify. With which has about I think ninety million subscribers worldwide, and it'll be close. It'll be almost a hundred million. If you bought it and you started just doing video, like you just started plugging video in, um, the way that Netflix does, you suddenly, very instantly, have a huge competitor. Like a, a I don't think it's by competitor. I don't mean like you're going to put Netflix out of business, but you have a scaled up subscription service, and you'd be able to compete with anyone else. Like. 
instantly. And you could either say it's going to cost you five extra bucks and then maybe you wouldn't, you'd see what the conversion rate is. Or maybe you just start it off and you just say it's free because and the music's just a toss in. But I, I think that you could like, you know, the, the challenge is Spotify doesn't have screen distribution. But I think that the distribution on screens is not as hard today as it was when Netflix first started. Mm-hmm. But it seems like Spotify is a really attractive acquisition target for somebody who's trying to build out. A subscription video. I think that is kind of bolted. I, I think that's sort of half right. Like I, I would say, what Spotify should do is not move into video. So they have tried video, and I think it didn't. They spent a lot of money on it, and they tried some a couple of TV shows that they like. One was a music TV document. Like a, they tried to be right. like MTV, basically. Like um, yeah, which is also what Vivo Vivo was going to yeah. do. That and I don't think it worked for Vivo. Yeah, um, I think that and the problem and that problem with that strategy is also sorry the problem with that strategy is like netflix is like netflix can make music that right right and also give you right so i think what i so so, right so i think the difficulty here is like people don't think of it's it's going to be hard to make people watch on spotify because you just don't think of it as like the place to watch on um but i do think that there is a good opportunity for some kind of netflix for audio like there should be a company that kind of owns um like so but that is spotify well no because spotify is only now moving into podcast most people don't listen to podcasts on spotify spotify should have done that like a long time ago and then it should do like pay for original podcasts and like become that kind yeah. of thing i think it, i think that company TuneIn is trying to do that i think some people are yeah. trying to do that it's so it's you know it's just like it's you know, it's there's books and some people like books and there's podcasts and there obviously some podcasts are popular, right. So and what's interesting about audio is it's like splintered, like like it's fragmented and like Netflix just Netflix and YouTube sort of have everything on video. Um, like there's the free stuff yeah. and then like Netflix is sort of like the pay place. Um, and I think Spotify could be something like that, but but audio is sort of a more fragmented market now, which is either and part of the reason audio is like good, like because there's the kind of market forces that have, um, you know, ruined the rest of the web haven't come to podcast yet. Yeah. I, know, I could see, I, I mean, I know it'd probably be a hard transition to go from audio into video, but I think the idea of like getting 90 million subscribers in a, in when like subscription businesses, and maybe this will fade, subscription businesses are like the hottest business model across the board from like, you know, from Dropbox to Netflix to the New York Times to Apple, everything has a subscription component, and that's you know like Adobe and Microsoft. It's all subscriptions yeah. now. Like that's so getting a business that has ninety million subscribers or whatever the number is for for Spotify, and figuring out what could you do with that huge number of subscribers, and also like can you plug it in through some sort of like you have registered user, you have a lot of data on these people, can you use it for an ad business? Like it just seems like there's a lot of value there. Uh- and if you just focus on like the the, the fact that it loses money because its contracts with the music industry aren't very good, then it doesn't look like an attractive business. But all the other parts, like the, the other stuff you could do with that, might be really interesting. Yeah, I love Spotify. I should say, <laughs> I use Apple Music, uh, but you know, I think Spotify is great just... because it it works on everything. Apple Music doesn't, and Apple Music will never work on everything because like they don't have that interest. Yeah. Um, I'm told, you know, I'm reliably, everyone loves Spotify more than Apple Music. I have a, I have two HomePods now, so, you know, that kind of keeps me locked in on Apple you Music. Ha- you have two and HomePods? You're like the... Yeah, I got them for free. You know what, I think... They were given to okay, me. Okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I feel like 
But I would recommend someone buy them. I feel like the HomePod is going to be a sleeper hit. Like, um, it's not this year. I guess sales were, you know, really bad uh, compared to the others. But it it seems like one of those things where, like, over time they're going to make it. It just needs, like, a few features to be, you know, mostly complete against against the others. It just needs, like, slightly better Siri. And um, also, like, if it was – it's – if it's $100 cheaper, which I think they can make it, like, over time, yeah. they're going to sell a lot of them. Yeah, it's got shades of the Apple Yeah, yeah. It's got shades. Yeah. It's a lot of people insulting it, and it's just going to slowly, they're going to fix that. And and because I do, th- like, as someone who was using Amazon Echo and didn't see a ton of value in it, but not really, like, as dumb as it is, like, being able to just say, hey, Siri, add eggs to my grocery list, and that's like a grocery list to share with my wife, like that because we, we're both on iPhones and use the reminder list yeah. together, like having that integrated in there. Or as I, you know, I drink half and half of my coffee, I'll say, hey, Siri, add half and half, and Siri will say, hoff and hoff has been added right. to your grocery list. You know, it's it's really helpful. Yeah. It's actually quite handy. Right, and so, and then, so it's... And that's it's where, ex- like, Apple Music is helpful. It's exactly like... You just say play it's, So it's like households like yours, which only use Apple stuff, which there are a lot of, um, because and yeah. Apple knows all of them because they all have iPhones. Um, like they could just slow, they slowly upsell you to the watch, to Apple Music, and then to HomePod, and then now you're locked in. Like you, anything like that comes out next, like you can't get until the app until like four years later. Like Apple, like then like um, you know someone's gonna come out with like computer glasses goggles that you love but it's going to be google first and then facebook and then like snapchat and then eventually apple will come out with its one but then you're gonna have to wait for like 10 years to get that but it'll be fine well those will be out sooner than from apple i mean google's already yeah right but uh, you know and and speaking of which not that we want to keep this going but uh sonos just filed for an ipo filed its s1 and it's on it's got like a revenue run rate of 1.3 billion for this year and it's profitable. It's going to make $28 million. Sonos is one. I was thinking but Apple I, would buy Sonos. I think Apple should buy Sonos. I think Apple... You know what's a weird acquisition? <laughs> still is Beats. <laughs> that, that acquisition still doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. Like Especially with all the reports coming that they're going to do their own high-end over-the-head yeah. earphones. It's like, what do you need? I was wondering about that. Like? I was wondering if, if you're an Apple engineer and you're like, if you're working on on um airpods now and they're like we need we need you to make like airpods 3 or airpods 2 we need you to do over the air ones do you like over the like over ear ones do you go do you think those people are going to talk to the beats people or do you think the beats people are just like also like siloed like what's the relationship like between the apple like elite um you know headphone team and then there's there is there is some collaboration right because of the whatever the W one chip, chip. Like, yeah it's w, in both things yeah, but that, it must be a weird office relationship where like you're trying to so yeah <laughs> so I think there's got to be some level of sharing of information but yeah there's got to be but also because Apple's been in audio forever like like I don't think the Beats acquisition was a bad acquisition in terms of it cost three billion dollars I. I think, you know, it, it certainly generates plenty of revenue through headphones and, and I, the reports at the time, and maybe they're wrong, was that it was a profitable co- company and it's hard to imagine it's less profitable. It's just sort of like for a company that shuns all kinds of acquisitions, um, it, it doesn't fit any kind of strategic purpose. And then like the argument was like, oh, well, they needed the software from Beats but, to build Apple. But they didn't. Like, like really? that, what? yeah. Yeah. So like, 
So like, what exactly strategically did they get from Beats? Like, I'm not like Beats seems like a good company, and Apple's as good a home as any. It's just very odd strategically, particularly for a company that seems relatively conservative about making big acquisitions. It's still a strange one. Yeah. Um, all these years, later. I do. I do think Beats headphones are like much better uh, recently. Like the last few years, after I mean after Apple's acquisition, Beats headphones have gotten great, and because of that W1 chip. Um, like the current best over ear headphones I can find are like Beats ones because they connect super. Oh, I just got Sony ones. The Sony ones sound so much better, but I was close just because yeah. of the W one chip because of how much. I right, it works them. instantly. It works just like AirPods. Um, yeah, yeah, awesome. and um, so so because of Apple, like Beats got better. Maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe they they did it to make Beats better. They just want to help help the world in some way. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, probably not, but you never know. If that was their view, they should have bought Tesla yeah. too. Um, all right, we've been talking for a long all time. Right, man. Yeah, we got, well, look, we don't chat. Uh, I no longer this write. This is like you barely John write, Gruber so podcast. A, my only chance to land. go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're half a, half a Gruber yeah. here. So... Uh, cool, man. Well, maybe we'll do it again next week or not. Oh, pro- no, not next week. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be out next week. But maybe uh, the week after that. But probably not then. Either. Yeah, I, so. I think I will be out. <laughs> I'm gonna be out for a long time soon. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't say right, how long I'm going on vacation for. But <laughs> two months. Um, all right, man. We'll talk all to right, you later. See you later.